Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Food School Smarter, Stronger, Leaner podcast. Today is Friday, and on Food School in 2020, Friday means Food Friday. And I'm going to be bringing you something exciting, fascinating, interesting, new and important from um, the food system, from food industry news, from uh, the news of different grocery chains or maybe restaurants or um, supply chain. Uh, a lot of things related to how our food system is designed. But also I'm going to bring you something interesting when it comes to to fascinating new food products. Today is going to be a little bit of everything, but it's going to be about uh, lab-grown meat and plant-based meats and what's best for you to choose. Also, we're going to talk about the addiction of the century, sugar addiction, that actually, you know, most people are addicted to sugar. And you might say you're not, but if you're eating sugar every day and you can't quit for some reason, you are addicted. Because if you are not addicted to something, it's really, it's really easy for you to say no to that. And sugar does not have any nutritional value. So you cannot say I need it for energy or for some nutrients. You need food with nutrients that your body actually needs for energy. Your body does not need any sugar, any processed sugar, any refined sugar. That's what I mean. So if you are, you know, putting sugar in every one of your drinks, uh, if you are eating desserts every day, you are addicted to sugar. Uh, there is no doubt about that. But uh, we will talk about that later uh, in this episode. First, I want to start, as I told you, with a lab-grown meat with plant-based meat substitutions. Uh, um, so I'm more optimistic about lab-grown meats. You know, I reached out to a lot of companies uh, all over the world producing different kinds of lab-grown meat. You know, there is now um, either in the making already on the market lab-grown beef, lab-grown pork, lab-grown chicken, lab-grown fish, um, even lab-grown foie gras. Um, so what do I think about all of that? Um, I reach out to all of these companies and I ask them why do they produce only certain tissues that are uh, not so rich in other nutrients besides the protein. And what they told me uh, is that it's a little bit harder to produce certain tissues, like for example, liver that is super high in nutrients. That's why they started with muscle tissue. But um, some Startups uh, in Asia actually already are working on producing livers uh, that's going to be full of nutrients and completely animal-free. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And that's where I actually believe the future of meat is going. I do believe that it is better not to kill animals or fish when you don't have to. And it's also better for sustainability, right? At the moment, it's just not possible to support uh, human health uh, without meat and without fish. But um, I believe that we can create food system where we don't need to kill animals for our food. Like we can still, you know, leave them in the habitats and work on sustainability and, uh, I don't know, balance different species on our planet differently. But when it comes to eating food, uh, I think it will free a lot of resources when we don't have to uh, grow or catch uh, 
uh, animals for any of human foods. But I also do not believe uh, uh, in plant-based, 100% uh, plant-based nutrition and substitution, at least not at the moment. Because if you make a burger out of, let's say, some sort of pea protein or some sort of mixture of different plants, you're not going to be getting the same amino acids. You're not going to be the same fatty acids. So basically, you're not going to get the same quality protein. You're not going to get the same fatty acids or the same fats that your body needs. You're not going to get uh, um, the same, what else, like vitamins and minerals that, for example, let's take chicken liver. Uh, if you grow in a lab chicken liver, it's going to have the same nutritional profile, probably even better than regular chicken liver. If you make chicken liver, um, yeah, I mean, if it was possible, nobody's making that. But if you make chicken liver that tastes like chicken liver out of pea protein or you make a burger out of it or whatever, the nutritional profile is going to be completely different. It's still a pea. Like, uh, there is nothing you added to the nutrition profile of peas. So just eat your peas. Don't make don't turn them into meat and eat animal products until we figure out a better solution. And we are already working as a society on a better solution by growing uh, tissue uh, meat-like in a lab that's going to be completely exactly like meat with all the nutrients and everything in the future, right? So when you are opting out for um, plant-based burger, you don't fool yourself, guys. You're not eating the same nutrition profile as in the burger. You might be getting on paper the same amount of grams of protein, but that's all you're getting. And that protein might be very, very well not complete protein, meaning there are going to be missing some essential amino acids that are essential for health, or they're just not going to be in the same absorbable form as you would find in animal products. So next time you opt out for, again, for some plant-based burger, understand that uh, underneath all of it, you are still eating highly processed peas and beans and soy and nothing more. And I prefer you to eat actually whole plants because uh, when they're processed to that degree, they lose a lot of nutrients and they don't have the same beneficial health effects as they would have if you just ate your peas and beans and even soy. Um, so that's it when it comes to uh, meat, lab-grown meat and plant-based meat. I'm very excited about the industry. It's not there yet, but I believe in that as our future. One of the um, one of the things that we're going to do in the future. And then from lab-grown meat and plant-based meats to GMO and CRISPR, those two technologies that are used to modify our food supply, not just food supply, also, you know, our own genes for health reasons. So what's the difference between genetically modified organisms and GMO in our foods and CRISPR as a technology or gene editing when it's applied to food. Well, GMO usually means they they take some genes from other species and they would take they would take those genes and put in some plant or some food that we are eating. So they mix together two different species. You know, in the best uh, case scenario, species are close, like maybe different sorts of bananas or tomatoes. But um, a lot of times they would take um, some gene from fish and put it in tomato. That was actually done at some point in the past. 
And what we end up with is that cross-species, and we don't really know how that's going to interact with our genes. Uh, that's one thing. And also genetically modified organisms, when you see GMO on a label, uh, that technology, it's not precise. So, so they take the gene and they put it in the gene, genome of the other species, and then they don't really know what's the end result going to be because it's really imprecise. They don't know where the, that other gene will end up in this new gene, genome. Um, and then when it comes to CRISPR, it's more precise. And plus, it doesn't introduce any new DNA or genes into the species. It just edits certain genes in the same um, in the same plant or in the same food or in the same organism, right? Because we also can edit genes of a human being and what we already do. Uh, so CRISPR, it doesn't introduce new genes into uh, the food or species of plant or whatever. Uh, and then it's much more precise. So uh, the technology that is used, they know exactly where and where they modify the gene, what gene they modify, and what results they're trying to get. So it's much more precise, it's much safer, it's much faster, and again, there, there is no mixing of different species or uh, different genomes. And by the way, guys, you've been eating CRISPR-edited foods for quite a while, probably, because uh, if you are consuming yogurt or any sorts of food that has uh, those same cultures uh, that are beneficial for our gut, um, if you've been consuming some food with that, then you must know that companies that provide those cultures that make yogurt or those organisms, they uh, figure out how to edit it with CRISPR so uh, they are not prone to that virus that uh, might destroy a lot of them. And then uh, it's impossible to make good quality yogurt. So the CRISPR edited uh, those bacteria's genome, the bacteria that makes the yogurt, that makes, you know, the original dairy product into yogurt, milk into yogurt, or um, however they make it um, in different companies. So those bacteria were edited with CRISPR to be uh, not prone, prone to that virus. And it became an industry standard because now the production of yogurt and similar products is much more consistent. So we've been eating foods with edited um, organisms by CRISPR in them for quite a while. I, I think it's like five years or something. But uh, yeah, as, as soon as they figured out this way to added bacteria that makes our yogurt, they applied it right away because it saved so much time and money to a lot of companies and made the production of yogurt more consistent. So GMO and CRISPR, you are already eating some of them. And uh, because CRISPR actually um, does not introduce different genes of different species, you know, into each other, uh, and because you basically added the genome of one species, uh, it is not uh, classified as genetically modified organism, and the producer of a food uh, does not have to get the product through any sorts of certification or checks, and it goes right into the market, and they don't have to tell you anything on the package when it's edited with 
CRISPR. But I'm also actually very excited about CRISPR too, because uh, at some point we will be able to modify our food products plant products or, you know, maybe lab-grown meat, uh, we can edit the genes of those different products to be our certain nutrition profile. So let's take, I don't know, um, what what will we take? Uh, let's take bell pepper. Uh, it's already high in vitamin C, but in theory, you could add a genes to produce even more vitamin C. So you have to eat really tiny amount to get all the uh, vitamin C you need. Uh, or maybe we're gonna create um, a different sort of plant that will also is super rich in B vitamins uh, from liver in the same form. Or maybe we'll figure out how to make animal abs animal form of vitamin A uh, produced by plants. So those kind of things I'm actually excited about. So eating healthier soon might be much, much uh, easier and better. And also I'm excited about that because we can uh, edit our crops to produce, to be more resistant, to produce better crops, to be better nutritionally, not just producing yields, and without having to use all these pesticides that I use on genetically modified uh, organisms. So I'm very excited about CRISPR and um, this gene editing technology. And then from GMO to CRISPR, another trend in food industry and food system among all the food consumers is reducing sugar. And uh, next week, guys, I'm going to Moscow to one of the biggest conferences they've done in a while on health, on longevity, on nutrition, on healthy lifestyle in cities, on healthy food supply, on stress management in the city and in life, and so many other things on biohacking and new technologies to help us keep us healthy and uh, living long. So I'm going to this uh, conference and they would have special lectures dedicated to overcoming sugar addiction. Because guys, it is an addiction. Again, if if you have hard times quitting it, you are addicted to that substance that is nutritionally empty, so you cannot say your body needs it because your body does not need it. I struggled through sugar addiction for many, many years before I I could easily say I'm not addicted to sugar at all. Like, I'm not tempted by it. I'm not thinking about it. When I eat a dessert once in a while, um, I stop with one piece uh, of cake, for example, and I'm done. I don't feel like I need the whole cake. I mean, there is this thought, but I don't feel physically like I need to have it. Uh, I can easily stop myself when I make a plan for that, right? So sugar addiction is an addiction, and um, now sugar taxes are introduced in a lot of countries, uh, politic, politicians are realizing that uh, it costs them more to produce and make easily available all the sugary drinks and foods. Uh, it costs them more uh, to uh, sell those uh, than to stop selling those because all the healthcare costs and all the associated uh, growth in degenerative diseases and obesity and so many other things are related to addiction to sugar. So sugar taxes are introduced in a lot of countries, especially Latin America, especially Southeast Asia. They're kind of um, the first ones there, uh, but also Europe are, I think, either considering or already doing that. So sugar taxes. But then 
then also a lot of uh, companies, even companies like Danone or Kellogg cereals, start looking introducing sugars or substituting um, their uh, sugars with some uh, sweeteners that are environment friendly and health friendly. Um, there are being more and more sweeteners that are health friendly being developed or being discovered. Um, you know, stevia, monk fruit, erythritol, xylitol, allulose, like those are some of the uh, better for you sweeteners on the market right now, and it's just going to get better. So products will taste sweet when they're supposed to taste sweet, and uh, we will not have that addictive uh, sugar substance uh, because it's going to be non-caloric sweetness. And uh, yeah, and guys, uh, if there is one thing you want to start or stop doing in 2020 to improve your health uh, many folds right away is stop consuming sugar and white flour anything made of white flour you know pasta pizzas breads pastries and sugar those things gotta go no matter what and uh, also a lot of my clients and a lot of you might be wondering so what is moderate sugar consumption you know moderate sugar consumption is a dessert once in a while it's not a teaspoon spoon of sugar in each of your drink and in every recipe and in every food you eat. That's not it. Consumption of sugar that is moderate, that is acceptable. It's an occasional dessert. And I believe also in the future we will also use in dessert health-friendly sweeteners. So sweeteners, you know, sugar that's gonna go gonna go and it's gonna cost you more to eat sugar very, very soon. Uh, and there are also, you know, guys, as, I, as I've said, a lot of products, uh, like, for example, these new uh, Nudge Bar, Coffee Bar, uh, you can check it out, by the way, I'm, I am I kind of like the product, too bad I can't get it uh, where I am right now, but Nudge Bar, Eat Your Coffee, that's their uh, motto, so that's uh, coffee beans, uh, made, you know, into the substance that you can make bar of, combined with uh, cocoa butter, the one that is uh, used in chocolate, and combined with some other stuff. And it's sweet, but they use the smart sweeteners. Uh, but what I want to tell you also, guys, uh, to focus you more on, is that whenever you have those snacks that are, yeah, sugar-free, you know, are friendly for your health, they still have calories, and when you eat nutritionally poor snack, you're not eating nutritionally rich food, and that's what I'm concerned about. Even for me personally, when I design a menu, meal plan for myself uh, that satisfied all the nutrition, like without any snacks, I'm already eating 2,000 calories, right? And if on top of that, you're eating nutritionally poor snacks, even though they're totally good and sugar-free, you're just not going to be eating all the nutrients that your body actually needs. And at the end of the day, that's what matters for your health the most, eating all the nutrients that your body actually needs to thrive. And the last trend, not least, it's going to grow, is about functional foods. Or basically, we as society going to uh, raise more awareness, produce more uh, foods and products that are designed or uh, proved to improve some function of our body, like yogurt, for example, you know, or probiotic-rich foods like sauerkraut also. Those are functional foods because they're proven to improve the health of your gut, the uh, balance of your gut bacteria. Uh, what else? Um, 
you know, on the market, I recently saw uh, milks and yogurts with um, enriched with omega-3 fatty acids, DHA and EPA, the ones that you can find in fatty fish. So that's another functional food because uh, it, those uh, fatty acids, omega-3 fatty acids, they're proven to improve heart health and a lot of times brain health and brain function. So those are also examples of functional food. And, uh, you know, there are also going to be a lot of products that tell you something, but that they don't really deliver that. So you need to be aware of that. But as a whole, it's a positive trend and we're going to have more foods that are on a mission to improve our health and well-being. So definitely stay um, stay tuned and check uh, food aisles uh, of your favorite uh, grocery supermarket. There's going to be it's going to be healthier, uh, it's going to be better, and at some point it's going to be super easy for you to eat nutritionally well-balanced diet without thinking too much about it. So that's about it for our Food Friday episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it and you feel like you know more, a little bit more about lab-grown meat and what's the difference between GMO and CRISPR and why you're probably already eating CRISPR. <laughs> uh, might be eating GMO too uh, because they're, you know, they've been used uh, so extensively. Especially if you are eating some plant-based burgers, you probably almost certainly eating some GMOs. Uh, then sugar, guys. Um, make sure that this year you conquer the sugar addiction. Believe me, and that's going to help with your, with any of your health habits so much. Like, quit sugar, quit white stuff. At least that you got to do this year, 2020. It's on. Um, or in any case, you have to pay for your sugar addiction much more as we see more sugar taxes rolled out this year in more countries. And remember, again, when you are eating a nutritionally poor or unbalanced food, no matter how low carb and sugar-free it is, you're not eating nutritionally dense foods that will be providing nutrients that your body needs to thrive. And there are 13 vitamins, there are 14 to 16 minerals, and a lot of other things that we probably don't know yet about. So remember that, and as usual, Till next time, well, have an awesome weekend because the next time you'll hear from me gonna be on Monday and eat better daily. <laughs>